Psalm 111. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He hath showed his people the power of his works, that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that we might be enabled by your grace from our hearts to do what the psalmist says to do, to be enabled to truly praise you Lord, enable us to enter in to this psalm. And Lord, we ask in Christ's name that your gospel would be preached in the power of your spirit. We pray that you would speak. Oh, Lord, we desire for you to speak to our hearts from your word. Grant us your presence. Lord, we confess our sins. You've taught us to pray when we pray to confess our sins and we confess our sins, we pray that we might be cleansed, forgiven. We so need you and your help and your grace. Grant us a worship service for Christ's sake. In his name we pray. Praise ye the Lord. Don't you want to do that? Praise ye the Lord. 
The Lord is so glorious that this should be our response to him, praise from our heart. Praise for who he is. Being thankful for who he is. Thankful for his attributes, for his holiness, for his power, for his mercy, for his grace, for his justice. Every attribute of God he's to be praised for. Praise ye the Lord. And then he says in verse 1, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Now, I love to remember first when we read the Psalms, who's speaking? Christ Jesus. When I say I will praise the Lord, I hope I will. I ask for grace to. But the Lord could say this with power. I will praise the Lord. Now, anything that starts with my I will is a little bit questionable. But his, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart, with my whole understanding, with my affections, with my will. And he says, in the assembly of the upright, and that's what this is right now, the assembly of the upright. This is talking about public worship. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Verse 2. The works of the Lord. Are great. <laughs> Sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. Now let's think about the works of the Lord. His glorious work of creation. He spake the universe into existence. Simply as an act of his will. You think of the vastness of this universe. We can't calculate its size. The galaxies, the, uh, the nearest star is what, four, how many light years away? I mean, just the vastness of this universe. And think of the complexity of the atom. What comes from an atom? Oh, the glory of his creation. And I love to think of the works of his providence. Do you know he controls everything? Everything that's going on through your mind right now, ultimately, he's in control of because he controls everything. I know people have objections to that. Well, you're saying he's the author of evil. No, I'm not saying he's the author of evil, but I'm saying he controls everything. And uh, I've heard objections to, well, he doesn't care if your biscuits burn or if you spill something you can say he's in control of that yes and it's not hard because he's God he controls everything everything in providence he's the first cause and he brings good out of evil I know there's terrible things painful things to think of the things that people go through terrible things but he always brings good out of evil because that's who he is Praise the Lord for his works of providence, and most especially, we praise the Lord and thank the Lord for his work of salvation. Now, you think of this thing of salvation. He's taken and made a way in sending his son to die on the cross to make it to where my sin is not. That I have a perfect history, a history without sin. Is that great? He's made it to where I am. And this is every believer. 
I'm the very righteousness of God in him. Now, is that great? The greatness of his works, his work of creation, providence, salvation. I love the way that the psalmist says, sought out of all those who have pleasure therein. And truly, we have pleasure in all of his works, don't we? Don't you, don't you love singing, this is my father's world? I am, I'm walking in the earth that my Lord has made. It's his world. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. I have pleasure in that. I have pleasure in this. All things work together for good. His providence. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And most especially, I have pleasure in this. Salvation is of the Lord. He took full responsibility for my salvation. I have pleasure in that, don't you? I rejoice in that, that everything God requires of me, he looks to his son for. Sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. Look in verse 3. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. Now, he'd been talking about his works, but now he narrows it to his work. And the fact that he talks about his righteousness during forever, enduring forever lets me know that this is talking about his work of salvation. His work is honorable and glorious. His work on the cross is honorable. He honored his father. He honored his father's law. He honored every attribute of God. He, you know, whenever we hear a message... It better be consistent with all the attributes of God. He honored his father. His work is glorious. His righteousness endures forever. It's an eternal righteousness that every believer possesses. Verse 4, he hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. I love to remember in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's to be remembered. This is to be remembered. All things work together for good. Doesn't matter what it is. All things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That's to be remembered. Most especially... His work of salvation is to be remembered. Um, I think of what Jeremiah said in the book of Lamentations. He said, this I recall to mind. You know, faith is remembering what he has said. This I call to mind. Therefore have I hope it's of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. He remembered that. You know, unbelief is forgetting that, isn't it? Unbelief is forgetting. Anytime I'm in a state of unbelief or, or uh, scared or um, uneasy, it's because I'm not remembering. When I remember, like he said, this I recall to mind. It's of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. His compassions fail not. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring all things in remembrance. That's what the Lord said. 
He shall bring all things in remembrance, whatsoever I've said to you. And that's what faith is. It's remembering what he said. I love what Paul said. Remember. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Remember that. Remember Christ's resurrection. Isn't it glorious to think of that? I, I love to think of him being in that tomb in utter darkness, dead. Dead. And all of a sudden, his heart started beating. He started breathing. He opened his eyes. And when he was raised from the dead, every believer was justified. Don't you love to remember that? He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. And then he mentions these attributes of the Lord. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. This is who he is. He's gracious. He delights in grace. He's full of compassion. You know, people have hard thoughts of the Lord. Well, he's gracious. And he's full of compassion, the scripture says. Verse 5, he hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He's given meat and uh, whatever else we need to them that fear him. Now let me remind you, we're going to get more into what the fear of God is at the end of this song. But the fear of God is that respect and reverence for God that makes you look nowhere but Christ. That's the fear of God. If you can look anywhere but Christ, you don't really fear him. You don't really respect him. You have no true reverence for his person. But if you know who he is, you're afraid to look anywhere but Christ alone. That is the fear of God. Now, he has promised to give meat and everything else uh, that we may need to them that fear him. Think of that scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not? What can possibly prevent him from freely giving us all things? Look at the last phrase of verse 5. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. I don't know if I'd ever thought about this as clearly, or I, I hope clearly, as I had in the past. The same covenant he made with David, he made with you personally. Now, I want you to think of the awesomeness of that. Second Samuel 23, 5, David said, Although my house be not so with God, yet hath he made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure, child of God, the same covenant that God made with David. He made with you. That is just amazing. 
you think of him ever being mindful of his covenant. Now, what I thought of in this thing of ever being mindful of his covenant, do you remember when David in 2 Samuel chapter 9, after he had become the most powerful man in the world, and he didn't have to uh, prove anything to anybody. He didn't have to, I mean, he was, the fear of David came upon every nation, the scripture says. Everybody's afraid of David. Um, he says, is there any yet of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? You see, he had made a covenant with Jonathan years before um, that he would show mercy on any of his kids. And now he's at the top and he remembers that covenant. He's ever mindful of his covenant. There is no time when he looks at me apart from and outside of that covenant ordered in all things and sure. He's ever mindful of his covenant. Verse 6. He has showed his people the power of his works. Now, once again, what power did it take to create? That's infinite power. That's unlimited power. That's omnipotence. What power does it take to control everything that happens? I'm, now, you, look in, you ever look in the sun and you see all the, the dust particles or whatever they are flying around and... Uh, do you know he's controlling every one of those? Somebody says, he doesn't care about that. He's God. He's not like us. He's in utter control of everything. What power? The power he demonstrates in providence, not a sparrow falls to the ground without your father. And what power he demonstrated in salvation. He made my sin to not be. And he made me the very righteousness of God. Now, power? <laughs> he hath showed his people the power of his works, that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. Now, the heathen are dispossessed. What's the point? He gives us that which we didn't work for. That's what the point of that is. He gives us that which we did not work for. He gives us the possession of the heathen, the heritage of the heathen. Verse 7, the works of his hands are verity, truth, and judgment, and all his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth. And uprightness. Now, once again, the psalmist is speaking of his works. You know, this could be the theme of this psalm, his works. His works. That would be the most appropriate title for the theme of this psalm, his works. He keeps repeating his works. And who he is is seen in his works, what he does. Now, let me repeat that. I want you to think about the logic of this. Who he is is seen in what he does. What he does can only be understood by who he is. The person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. His works. He glorified his father completely and he saved his people completely. Oh, the glory of 
his works. They're all done in truth and absolute justice and all his commandments are sure. His will must be obeyed. Now I want you to think about this statement. The works of his hands are varied in judgment. All his commandments are sure. They're absolutely certain. They're going to be uh, done. They stand fast forever and are done in truth and uprightness. Now, God's will of command and his will of decree, his will of command is you obey me perfectly. You keep my law perfectly. Don't sin. That's his will of command. You can never say, I can never say, well, if I sinned, it was all a part of God's purpose and try to excuse myself. I can't do that. His will of command is do what I say exactly as I say in my word. And that is, that's it. If God says it in his word, it's to be performed, it's to be done, it's to be followed. Amen? Amen. His will of command. Have you ever kept his will of command? Have you ever not lied? Have you ever not coveted? Now, his will of command, we love it. It's glorious. We want to keep it. We haven't. Haven't kept one commandment one time. Ten commandments. Somebody says, well, I've kept one. You don't know what they mean then. You don't see the glory of his commandments, the exceeding broadness of his law. Uh, but his will of decree is always kept. Not one time is there that his will of decree is not done. Whatever he purposed, it takes place. His will of decree is always kept. You know the reason you're saved? Because he decreed your salvation before time began and sent his son to save you. And that's sure. His will of decree, his will, they stand fast forever. Everything he's purposed and are done in truth and uprightness. Verse 9, he sent redemption unto his people. Who are his people? The elect. That's easy enough. Those whom he chose before the foundation of the world. They are his people. He said, they'll be to me a people. I'll be to them a God. The elect, those God gave to Christ before time began to be his bride. The elect are his people. And he sent redemption unto his people. He redeemed them. He redeemed them. I love to think of this. He didn't make redemption possible. He didn't make redemption available. He redeemed them. When he said it is finished, they were redeemed. A particular redemption, definite atonement, I don't, whatever you call it. When he said it is finished, all the elect, their salvation was accomplished perfectly. He sent redemption to his people. Wherefore, by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Remember, it's ordered in all things and sure. He's commanded his covenant forever. Holy 
and reverend is his name. When I hear a preacher refer to himself as reverend, how creepy. I don't know what else to call it. How evil. How arrogant to be revered. I'm Reverend Nobbert. Oh, that's gross. That's contrary to everything that, that is true. Holy preachers call themselves by their titles. Holy and Reverend is his name. His name is his attributes. Oh, his justice, his holiness, his otherness, his sovereignty, his grace, his omnipotence, his omniscience. He knows everything. His omnipresence, every attribute of God, holy. I love that word, holy. I love it. He's other. He's not like me. He's not like you. There's none like him. Holy and reverend is his name. Do you believe that? I do. Holy and reverend is his name. Now he says in verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here's where wisdom begins. The fear of the Lord. You know, that's in the Bible a lot. Proverbs, Psalms, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord that's expressed by faith in Christ. Now, somebody who looks to Christ only fears God. That's why they do it. And in doing that, they respect the Lord. They respect him. If I don't have faith in Christ, I have no respect for the Lord. I have irreverence. I don't respect him for who he is. But if I look to Christ only, if, I, if right now I'm trusting Jesus Christ as my righteousness before God, my actual righteousness before God, my sin payment, my redemption, he only is all my salvation. When I do that, I'm showing respect and reverence for God. And here's what is amazing. I look to Christ like Abel. The scripture says with regard to Abel, God had respect for Abel and his offering. Now this thing of respect, I, I, I would say that um, as far as emotion goes, if, if I would call it that, um, the way we feel about people, if somebody has no respect for you, it really bugs you, doesn't it? It bugs you. It, it, you, you. You dislike it. And let me say this. Everybody ought to be respected. Everybody, you ought to treat everybody with respect all the time. I ought to treat everybody with respect all the time. Don't be a disrespectful person. I, there's nothing more ugly than being disrespectful. Uh, but to think that the God of glory has respect for every believer. The fear of the Lord 
is the beginning of wisdom. Here's where it begins. No wisdom apart from this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Look what he says. A good understanding have all they that do. Now notice his commandments is in italics. The translators thought that that would be a good uh, way to understand this verse of scripture. But really it takes away from the meaning of it. Uh, A good understanding have all they that do have the fear of the Lord. What a blessed thing it is by the grace of God when I can fear the Lord and have this respect for him, this holy and reverend is his name. His praise. And this psalm started with praise Ye, the Lord, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. His praise endureth forever. You know what we'll be doing in heaven? And it's not going to be phony. It's not going to be forced in heaven. His praise endureth forever that is the employment of heaven and if I don't enjoy it here on earth I wouldn't enjoy heaven his praise endureth forever